everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 120 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father, four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or anyone that you know is struggling with any type of pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior, anything like that that they have tried to put behind in the past, please point them back to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And I cannot thank you enough, uh, although I will try. I will do it five times right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the wonderful feedback that you provide, the suggestions for podcasts, all of it. And if you want to help even more, please take a moment to subscribe to the Virtual Couch Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Please think of somebody that you maybe can share an episode that you've enjoyed or one that you feel might be helpful or beneficial, like today's episode on some gaslighting examples. And uh, I think I've kind of said this um, the last couple of podcasts, but uh, the currency of the non-celebrity podcaster, which would be me, are the ratings and reviews and subscriptions. So thank you in advance if you're up for subscribing or rating or reviewing. And on that note, let's get to today's episode. So a while ago, I asked for examples of gaslighting. And I've even had people say, what are you going to do with all those? And uh, But I have had no shortage of examples that people have sent in. And I would continue to ask that you send me your examples of what you feel like. Have you, you know, If you even have a question about, is this gaslighting, send it to contact at tonyoverbay.com or contact at pathbackrecovery.com. Because what I want to do is, so, so many of the podcasts, so many of the emails, so many of the emails that I get say something to this effect, and I didn't write this down, so please forgive me, but they'll say something about, uh, I just heard an episode on gaslighting or something about narcissism or, but when it, when they talk about gaslighting, um, they say, I didn't know, you know what I'm going to do? Hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to pause you right now. I'm not even going to go back and edit this. I am going to uh, get one of those emails and read them to you because they have a similar tone. Hold on. Be back in one second. And we're back. I would love to tell you that uh, all these kind of things, these catastrophes happen, and now it's about a week later, but it's literally less than a minute, I believe. But uh, here's one that I received a couple of weeks ago. It says, uh, oh my goodness, I've been listening to your podcast. I'm sure that's how a lot of people start their conversations out with you. First was narcissism. You mentioned gaslighting. I heard the episode on gaslighting, and as you were describing it, my jaw dropped. There's a name for what my husband does to me all the time. I didn't know that was a thing. Here is another one. Tony, thank you for all the free content that you put out. I feel like I have a therapist in my earbuds. Writer of this email, thank you for writing in. Um, Okay, I recently listened to your episode on gaslighting. I have heard a lot about gaslighting, or at least I have heard the phrase a lot, but I never take the time to listen. I assumed that it didn't apply to me. Fast forward to being on a run, and one episode bled into the other. And this is a kind of a funny thing, too. I hear this one a lot, and uh, I was thinking about this this morning on my run, I was thinking about uh, how I owe a lot to um, bulky gloves or not being able to get to the phone to be able to switch to another podcast or that sort of thing where people will say that they were listening to an episode and I don't know if they've had multiple episodes downloaded or I don't know if their podcast player just goes on and plays the next episode, but where they will hear another episode come up and uh, they will learn about something that they never had any intention to learn about. And so in this person's, okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay, uh, gaslight. So finally, I listened to the episode on gaslighting and my jaw dropped. So uh, that is two two emails. Um, that's why I kind of pulled these up because I literally searched for jaw dropped in my email. Um, my jaw dropped. I didn't know that that was something that my spouse did to me. I always felt like I was the one who was crazy. Now I have researched gaslighting ad nauseum. I knew that uh, this person is very, being very, uh, very descriptive. 
and I would love to hear more. Tell me more examples of what this is and what it looks like. So uh, thank you for writing in. And again, I have several of these. I really do. I have several of these um, kind of emails. So why would I want to collect examples of gaslighting? That, that does not sound like a type of collection that uh, would be fun. But my ultimate goal uh, is to do episodes like this one where I can lay out an example of gaslighting. And if it sounds like something that is familiar to you, that I will give some examples of maybe a more productive way to have this conversation. And then whether you kind of feel validated or you feel empowered to go talk to the person who you believe is gaslighting you, or you can share this episode with them, you can leave it on in the background, whatever you can do. My goal is to help because there are ways to bring awareness to even gaslighting where people can have more productive conversations. So today I'm going to talk about, again, a quick review of what is gaslighting. Then I found an amazing article that says, do people, does a gaslighter know if they are gaslighting? And I thought this, uh, this writer did a very nice job of laying all that out. And then I'll give a couple of examples of gaslighting and maybe how, what those would sound like in a more productive framework. Notice I am trying not to say in a normal conversation or a good conversation, but in a more productive framework. So first of all, from psychology today, what is gaslighting? If you haven't listened to the episode I did a few months ago on gaslighting, feel free to go listen to that one maybe next. That one I pulled all of my data from the National Domestic Violence um, website and that is, I am not saying that everyone who gaslights is uh, an emotional abuser. Um, and that's what we'll kind of talk about a little bit today of where does that come? Does it come from insecurities? Does it come from just being misunderstood? Or is it a, an emotionally manipulative tactic? Or can it be all of the above? So what is gaslighting? Gaslighting, and this is from Psychology Today, so I'm reading directly from this. Uh, this is just from their, um, their topics section. So gaslighting, they say, is an insidious form of manipulation and control which derives its name from a 1938 play Gaslight and a film adaptation starring Ingrid Bergman. The victims of gaslighting are bombarded with false information that leads them to question what they know to be true even about themselves. Victims end up doubting their memory, their perception, and even their sanity. And over time, the gaslighter's manipulations grow more complex and potent, making it increasingly difficult for the victim to see the truth. And then just fun fact about that movie Gaslight, the uh, what uh, what the character did, the main character, and I'm, I'm forgetting who starred opposite of Ingrid Bergman, but he would turn, this was before the days of electricity, so he would just turn the gaslight down a little bit every night. So she would say, is it darker in here? And uh, the guy would say, Dad, no, I, the same to me. And so over time, she's the one that's feeling like she's crazy. He's the one that's dimming the lights. So um, that is definitely emotional manipulation. So back to psychology today, gaslighting can occur in per per personal or professional relationships and the victims are targeted where it hurts, their sense of identity and self-worth. And that is very important to note that uh, when you feel like your own identity or self-worth is being in question, then that is a time to kind of see, take a step back and uh, try to recognize, am I being gaslit? Often charming at first in their order to lure their victims, gaslighters may have a personality disorder. Narcissism is particularly common among them. They also have a tendency to present one face to their prey and another to the rest of the world, leading victims to assume that if they ask for help, no one will believe their story being manipulated, which is is that is the scary part or the sad part is that over time, if someone's own sense of identity and self-worth is starting to fall to the wayside, then they they question whether even going to someone because oftentimes the gaslighter is is laying these seeds of you are crazy. No one will believe you. You say this. You mean this. Sometimes you do this. And so the person starts to think, man, I can't go tell anybody about this because they're going to they're going to think I'm crazy, too. 
So how to spot gaslighting? In the beginning, individuals may start to notice that they are experiencing increased confusion and self-doubt around the gaslighter. The gaslighter will try to convince the target that what he or she remembers, thinks, or feels is wrong. Typically, if their victim doesn't instantly agree with them, manipulators will react poorly and twist the truth to make it seem as if they themselves are the victims. There, that's the, that's the part that resonates so deeply with so many people. Deep into the process, those being gaslighted will doubt even the evidence of their own senses and find it difficult to discern the truth from the gaslighter's lies and manipulations. The things that I hear often are when people will tell me that they know, they know with every, you know, beyond every shadow of a doubt, with every fiber in their being, that the data, the information that they're presenting to someone is true because it, it, it just was so important to them. They were paying particular attention to a particular fact, but then it's turned against them and it's just, it's done in such a way where they do start to go, wow, may, I don't know, maybe I don't remember that correctly. And, and I'll give some examples. Well, actually, a classic example of gaslighting is kind of something like this, where, uh, let's say, spouse A has an extramarital affair. They go to cover it up. Spouse B finds some sort of text message, email, that sort of thing in spouse A's phone. And then they bring it to spouse A. And they're like, man, hey, I, I found this. Like, help me understand this. Um, so A then accuses spouse A, then accuses spouse B of being the one that, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're even doing that. Like, you're so paranoid and, uh, and then this pattern just repeats every time that spouse B raises concerns. So spouse B starts to feel like, wait a minute, but I'm seeing, you know, I read this email. I mean, and I, and I saw this text message and I, and the person, and you know, my spouse is late to work and, and, uh, are, are home late and things just don't add up. And they said they were going here, but now they're going there. And, and so every time they bring it up though, the spouse A just makes them feel like they're crazy. Like, I cannot believe you're, you're accusing me of such a thing. And eventually, B, spouse B begins to question his or her own perceptions and their truths, which it oftentimes then they just start to feel like, okay, I can't bring anything up because, it, number one, I know how my spouse is going to react and it's not going to be good. And, and number two, man, maybe I am the one that's like reading this whole thing wrong. Maybe I am the one that's crazy. So let's get to this article, Stephanie Sarkis, PhD, and this is uh, from a Psychology Today blog. She wrote a, a, just a really good article called, Are Gaslighters Aware of What They Do? So she said, since posting her article, 11 Warning Signs of Gaslighting, which is I highly recommend, and I will link to that in the show notes as well. Um, she said that led to a book that she wrote called Gaslighting, Recognizing Manipulative and Emotionally Abusive People and Break Free. She said she receives emails regularly, uh, whether people who gaslight actually know that they are doing it. And, and again, I get these things all the time as well. Uh, hold, hold tight, quick water break. Okay, she says to review gaslighting as a pattern of manipulation tactics used by abusers, narcissists, dictators, cult leaders, etc. to gain control over a person or people. The goal is to make the victim or victims question their own reality and, and depend on the gaslighter. So wanting their victim to depend on the gaslighter. So the gaslighters know that they're doing it. Uh, Stephanie says that it depends on the gaslighter. She said she has a whole chapter in her book called, uh, in her gaslighting book for gaslighters who realize that they're gaslighting and how to get help. Um, which is, is uh, important to note in, in its own. In her book, she has a chapter for people who know that they're gaslighting, who know that they're being emotionally manipulative and how to get help. She goes on to say that some people are in entities that gaslight do in fact realize they're doing it. And she said it's a strategy that they've studied and their sources may surprise you. Um, she refers to a article, let's see, um, by uh, author named Gwen in 2014. 
uh, where Gwynn noted that cult leader Charles Manson read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, which is something that I've read. Um, and I have, uh, you know, not a cult leader, uh, but Gwynn write, wrote that Manson particularly focused on Chapter 7, which included this advice, quote, let the other fellow feel that the idea is his. First of all, I love that uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is a, is a is an older book than you would imagine, and I love it. Let the other fellow, right? We don't quite use that phrase as much anymore, huh? Let the other fellow feel that the idea is his. And herein lies one difference between people who pathologically gaslight over the general population. Stephanie said that the vast majority of the thousands who have read Dale Carnegie's book have not led lives of violence, abuse, and destruction. Again, I, I really enjoyed the book, quite frankly. Um, one way to protect yourself from being gaslit, she said, therefore, is to educate yourself about a gaslighter's behaviors. Uh, she refers to the book 48 Laws of Power by Green in 2000, where that details the characteristics and tactics that some historical figures have practiced, including steps that they have taken to manipulate others. There's also a book by uh, Robert Cialdini, The Influence. Uh, it's called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, 2006, and explains uh, through research how easily people can be manipulated. So it is important to you. You can protect yourself from being gaslit by listening to podcasts like this one today. Um, you can get uh, Stephanie Sarkis's book, Gaslighting, Recognizing Manipulative and Emotionally Abusive People and How to Break Free. But uh, it's important to kind of know what you're looking at. Um, she said that ga some gaslighters may have learned it from others, and in many cases, their own parents. And this is something that as a therapist, I see often where this has been the modeled behavior. And that's the part where I feel like I see a lot of success when people do recognize that this is the thing that they were modeled when they can truly be um, kind of self-aware or brought to some self-awareness, maybe using tools such as emotionally focused therapy, EFT. Here's this framework that says that if my partner is putting out something, if they're saying, you know, here's something that I noticed that, that now we're in this EFT framework and their spouse, spouse B will say, if spouse A is putting out the emotional bid, that like, hey, I found this thing, you know, I, this thing I saw on your phone um, and spouse B then says, oh, man, OK, tell me, like, what would you see? Tell me what, what that was like. What would you see? What, where are you coming from? And uh, then they can talk about it. So gaslighting may be used by a parent in order to alienate the child from another parent. For example, in parental alienation, Stephanie Sarkis goes on to say one parent may depict the other parent as a deadbeat or tell the child about the other parent's transgressions in order for the child to align with the, quote, reporting parent and see him or her as the hero. But in order to look like the hero, the gaslighter must create an enemy. And that is so, so true. Um, this is the part where uh, that the, oftentimes the person who is doing the gaslighting is putting themselves as this, uh, this heroic figure, a, a person that the person who is being gaslit must depend on. Um, Stephanie goes on to say, this doesn't mean that people who are children of gaslighters will adopt gaslighting behavior. For many, in fact, such an upbringing teaches them exactly what not to do when raising their own children. And that is that is very true. I run into that often. In the case of a person who may have a personality disorder, such as antisocial personality disorder, they are born with an insatiable need to control others and a deep-seated anxiety. Uh, she goes on to say, other gaslighters, in order to feel some sense of control in their own lives by making others depend on them. Gaslighting can also be part of an authoritarian personality. And uh, that goes on where people have this all or nothing black or white thinking. They think in absolutes. Things are either 100% wrong or 100% right. When a gaslighter thinks that they are not the problem everybody else is, 
Um, Stephanie mentioned something that I brought up in a couple of my podcasts. She said this is called having an egocentric personality. It can be very difficult, and this is this is where things get a little bit challenging. It can be very difficult to get egocentric gaslighters into treatment because they believe nothing is wrong with them. A gaslighting spouse or partner may either refuse to go to therapy, or if they do attend with you, they may tell the therapist that you are the problem. If the therapist recommends that the gaslighter changes their behavior, guess what? Uh, I've mentioned this is so many podcasts. I see this all the time. Um, then the gaslighter uh, the, will label the therapist as incompetent. It is such a dance. It is such a fine line because at times as a therapist, you want to build that rapport. You want that person to know that they can trust you because they want to help. I, as a therapist, desperately want to help people. So even if the person is saying, um, you know, no, it's all my spouse. That's it's clear. It's all her. Uh, the th- sometimes as a therapist, you know, you, if you just say, look, look, pet, look, buddy, you're, you're gaslighting, you know, um, then this person would be like, well, that therapist doesn't know what they're talking about. So this is the, this is the challenge. The person who is doing the gaslighting, can you get them to sit with that uncomfortableness and can you get them to understand that, okay, you know, let's just try this on for size of a different way to communicate because clearly what, what's happening right now isn't working. So uh, even in therapy, the gaslighter may not truly be aware of or they may refuse to acknowledge that their behavior is the problem. And what I often find is that the gaslighter is just so locked into convincing me, convincing the therapist, convincing anyone who will listen that that their situation is unique and different. That that if, if the therapist, if anyone else really just hears them and understands of how difficult that spouse is, you know, then they'll know. And that's the part where I'm not quite sure what. Then they'll know what, you know. Uh, then it's like, okay, let's all gang up and go yell at the, your spouse. We, I, we know that doesn't work. So it, it's really important to try to help the person who is possibly doing the gaslighting to, to sure, feel validated. I can understand why they're frustrated as well in the relationship. But trust me, here is a better way to communicate by not telling their partner that they are crazy for bringing something up. Or that is not the way that they, the gaslighter, remember things. Because guess what? We're going to remember things completely different because that's the way we are. Our, our brains do not work as it with this linear photographic memory. We remember in fragments. Our brain doesn't like fragments. So it, it, it fills in the, the gaps. So we are always going to think, you know, somebody says, nope, you're wrong because uh, you said that I had the red shirt on. I, I remember I had the yellow shirt on. So therefore, you are always wrong and you, you know, I, we can't trust your memory. Well, you know, you probably had a blue shirt on. It wasn't red or yellow. Um, did I just do something with primary colors there? I was never good with that. Red and yellow make blue. But uh, but I digress. But but the whole point of that is being that, you know, we need to be able to hear our other partner and help them feel validated. And then we can get to what our truths are. But the goal is not to say, hey, you're crazy. And uh, I can't even believe you're bringing this up. So even if a person is practicing gaslighting behavior without being consciously aware of it, Um, Stephanie says that they may get a quote payoff when their victim becomes more dependent on them. And then the cycle continues. The gaslighter also gets a boost that as she put it, and I, and I totally have seen this in sessions when there are no checks and balances in place, no one holding them accountable for their behavior. For example, uh, she goes uh, back to this cult leader example, a cult leader may exile or kill anyone who tells others that the leader is not treating followers fairly. Subsequently, further followers may not speak out of fear, uh, because they have fear of their lives. So keep in mind that dependency is one of those goals of the gaslighter. If a gaslighter is not aware of their manipulative behavior, that does not make it acceptable. It's still pathological and it's their responsibility. So for gaslighters who have read up on this behavior or were taught it, of course, the same rule applies. So again, that is from uh, Stephanie Sarkis and that is her Psychology Today 
um, blog post, which is called Are Gaslighters Aware of What They Do, which I will link to in the show notes. Um, and she wrote the book Gaslighting, Recognizing, Manipulative, and Emotionally Abusive People and Breaking Free. So let's dig into some examples. Uh, and remember, gaslighting still works under the assumption that uh, people typically aren't 100% mean or they aren't 100% nice or pure in every motive. A mean person can still give a compliment. That's my whole point there. Because a lot of times people will say, but man, sometimes uh, he is nice, you know, and, and so this is where things get tricky. I've had a lot of people tell me that, uh, you know, they tell me that what confuses them is that their partner will say something nice and they'll say, you know, I appreciate it, but, th and this is my client maybe saying this, I appreciate that, but I'm not 100% how to take this because sometimes you tell me that I'm not that, you know, whatever the compliment was. To which the gaslighter will then often explode, well, now I can't even give my own wife a compliment instead of, oh, I, I, I'm so sorry if I put you in a spot where you feel like sometimes I'm saying that you do this well and sometimes I'm saying you, you don't. I'm like, I need to be more aware of that. Um, there we go back to those emotionally focused therapy or EFT principles. So with gaslighters, compliments are typically heaped in bounds and bounds in the beginning of a relationship. Some call it, uh, quote, love bombing. I hear that one often, love bombing. When, uh, so when the, the person who is doing the gaslighting, when they need something from you, and sometimes that something is simply in the form of your time, they want you to be around them all the time. It could be intimacy, it could be sex, anything like that. If, that's, if they need something from you, here's where the compliments come from. You'll get a lot of compliments whenever it's like, oh my gosh, you look so amazing and beautiful and whatever. And it's, you know, and a lot of times spouses will say to me, yeah, I, I realize he starts to say that when, you know, we haven't been intimate for a while, that sort of thing. Um, in a healthy relationship, you tell people that you appreciate them and you compliment them regularly, not only when you need something from them. And that's something that I, I talk about often when I'm just doing a nice good old EFT podcast or I'm speaking about couples therapy in general, where uh, just bringing that awareness to, you know, I, I hear this often where uh, maybe let's just go with this situation with a wife where the wife will say, I, you know, he gives me a lot of more compliments when I know that it has been a little while since we have been intimate and, uh, and then it's not like after we, you know, after we have been intimate, it's not like he then goes and kicks the dog or, you know, I don't know, um, says mean things to my, my mom, but, uh, but he's not as nice as he was before. And so I always love bringing that awareness to the guy of saying, okay, so the, you know, right after there's been intimacy, guess what? The next day, if you think your wife looks nice, you still compliment her. Or if you like to appreciate things about her that uh, she does for you or the kids, then you tell her that. And I'll even go as far as to, to say, and you get to narrate that and even say, I think you look beautiful today and I'm not even trying to have sex with you. And I know that might uh, seem a little bit uh, odd when I'm talking about gaslighting, but uh, that's just that point to it's okay to compliment your spouse um, whenever you feel like there's something that they're doing. That's a whole side note. All right, let's get to a real example. Uh, here we go. Tony, thank you for your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. She didn't say et cetera, et cetera, um, but skipping all that part. Okay, here goes. I came home from work one evening a little early only to find my husband home as well. First off, I had texted him to tell him that I'd be home a little early because that's if I, that's because if I don't, then he gets mad at me. But when I ask the same of him to text me, he gets mad at me because he says, quote, my schedule is all over the place, which by the way, it's not. I've literally tracked his schedule long ago to show him that no, honey, see, it's really not. So if you're going to be home first, and then uh, I had to reread this part, she says, our kids are a bit older, so they can come home and start on homework, which basically means start playing Fortnite. I loved when you and Jennifer Finlayson Fife joked about your teens playing Fortnite on your first podcast together. That alone made me feel less crazy. But whoever gets home first 
can get dinner started. Oh man, where is this email going to end? That is a story too. When we're ha- What we're having for dinner is always on me, even though he says he doesn't care. But when I make about 90% of the things I do, he tells me that he doesn't like, he tells me what he doesn't like about what I make, and then he gets the kids to side with him. Okay, this is starting to make me mad. But what I was first saying was that I had texted him, and let me just pause right here to kind of say, do you see when someone has been gaslit over time, where just the depth, it's almost like they feel like, where do I even start with trying to have productive communication? And I get that because when I get a couple that comes into uh, couples therapy for some nice emotionally focused therapy, oftentimes you really are, you're breaking down the game film of just one particular event. And they'll often feel like, oh my gosh, we're going to spend 30 minutes, you know, talking about um, the, this dinner example. And, it, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, I know it might seem like there are bigger fish to fry. That was a pun right on the fly there, right? Bigger fish to fry, dinner example, anybody? Um, but but they want to, they're like, can we just, they, our marriage is, is not do, going well. And it's like, we have to kind of start breaking it down at some level to show how this communication pattern is broke. And so I think that this email, the reason I picked this one is, it is just so indicative of how deep the uh, the, the the gaslighting gets and how someone can feel so crazy. And And so let me get back to this. So uh, she says, okay, okay, she says, this is starting to make me mad. But what I was first saying was that I had texted him and I come home and he happens to be home. So again, noting that he had not texted her, she texted him and he's making dinner. I seriously don't know what to say. I freeze. If I say, thank you for, (laughs) Siri just kicked on on my phone. I must have said something. Uh, So I had to stop that one. Hold on now. Um, Focused, right? Uh, So she says, okay. Um, she says, I come home. He happens to be home. He's making dinner. I seriously don't know what to say. If I say thank you for starting on dinner, he may and has said in the past, you act like I never cook. I seriously can't believe you said it like that. Can you just come in and start helping? But I know that once too, I have come in and started helping and he's told me, you don't think I can do this on my own? Or there are other times when I come in and he started and he says, you've had a rough week. Sit down. I'll cook dinner. Where there are other times where I hear, it's about time. I feel like I'm a single parent in this marriage, which is something I've thought, which I've thought so many times. Okay, Tony, is this gaslighting? Am I the one who's crazy? Uh, She says, I'm not going to bring this up to him because I have no clue how it will turn out. So that breaks my heart. Yes, that is an example of gaslighting on so many different levels. So if if this person, and I've had these conversations, if she goes to him and says, um, you know, I feel like I'm not sure how to, uh, what to do when you come, when, when I come home and you're cooking dinner, the EFT response is basically seek first to understand. Tell me more. Tell me why you're afraid uh, you know, that you're not quite sure what to say when you come home. And, you know, to my marriage therapist ears, this could be a beautiful session where if she says, there are times where I come home and you tell me, hey, take a load off. I've got this. And there are times where I come home and you tell me, um, you know, it's about time. Can't you help? There are times where I come home and I help and you say, you don't think I can do this myself. There are times when I come home and sit down and you tell me, you know, I wish I had it that easy. I mean, I hear that stuff all the time. And from an, in, when you're locked into an EFT model, here's the whole reason I want these gaslighting examples. The, the, the better way, the more productive way to have this conversation is if she comes home and feels like she doesn't know, you know, quote, which end is up, that then I need, I was going to say I want, I need that spouse to be able to sit down, the guy in this situation, and just um, throw, just to quiet his own brain from all of the, the fixing and judgment statements, the gaslighting, and just say, 
This is my partner in front of me right now. And she's telling me that I make her feel crazy, that I make her not feel like she even knows what to do. If she comes home and I'm making dinner, the response, the productive response is, I am so sorry that I have put you in a spot where you feel like you walk in the door and you're not even sure which version of me you're going to see. Please tell me more. I am going to work on this. If we have to get help, whatever we got to do, then we let's do it. So that is why I want these gaslighting examples. If you feel like you have had any of these experiences, um, like the one that I just read over, then I, I, you know, and I know it can be hard to just march right in there and say, listen to this, because guess what? Now I'm going to be the one that is, uh, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, he's, uh, he's trying to get something out of this whole thing. Um, this podcast thing or, or, you know, calling people out. It's not. There are better ways to have a relationship. Um, there are tools out there that we can, uh, that you can use. Emotionally focused therapy is just one of them. But uh, finding, finding help is uh, the goal here. Whew, man, I, okay, I, I want to do more of these. I want to I, I do more of these episodes where we go over these. Let me do one more here. Um, here's another one. This one question. I recently listened to one of your podcasts asking for stories about gaslighting. And I feel like this one's a little, little safer to do for sure. Says uh, my ex husband used to pride himself on telling everyone around him, friends, family, repeatedly, that he was always willing to do whatever I wanted him to do. And and maybe you've had this experience, right, where you're you're sitting there and you your husband has said in front of everybody, "Oh no, I'm I will do whatever she needs me to do. I'm that kind of guy." And you're just sitting there thinking, "Really? Like that is not the case." Um, so she said, uh, it wasn't until I was out of the relationship that I began to realize that whenever I voiced something that I wanted, he would often question it, often asking, are you sure that's what you really want? So here he's, you know, projecting this, Hey, I'll do whatever she needs me to do. But then if she says, okay, can you do this? Then he says, are you sure you really, that's what you want? He would accompany this with all the reasons that he felt it would not be a good idea. It got to the point where I was convinced that I did not know what I really wanted And then he began to tell me that he knew what was best for me. Here comes another thing that I hear often in marriage therapy, that he knew what was best for me. It's not a, um, as a, as a spouse, you know, as a husband, not, it wasn't him turning to her saying, Hey, tell me what that's like for you. Tell me what you want. You know, tell me why you want that. Uh, because my goal is, is to benefit the, our relationship. You know, I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel happy. No, it's like he, he, she says, he told me he knew what was best for me. And this way, he was able to convince me that I was incapable of making decisions and that I needed to rely on him. Everyone else thought he was so wonderful because he only ever questioned me or told me uh, told me he knew what was best when we were alone. Additionally, he was able to convince me that it was normal for men in relationships to stare at or be visually distracted by other women. This always made me uncomfortable for myself and the women that he would be oogling, but he assured me that everybody did it, that it was perfectly normal, and that I was the one being prude or controlling. Um, and then she says, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share. I hope uh, they, these uh, examples are able to help uh, your podcast or others. I know that it helps me to be able to share. I really appreciate the work you do and appreciate your ability to inject humor and knowledge in your podcast. So thank you so much for, for sending this example. And I want to touch on that part at the end, too. He would convince me that it was normal for men in relationships to stare at or be visually distracted by other women. This always made me uncomfortable for myself and the women he would be oogling. But he assured me that everyone did it, and I was the one being prude or controlling. Um you know, that alone is, uh, it, it, oh gosh, it's, it, here comes another, we need another episode, right? Um, so, oogling, objectification, as a guy who works so much in this world of uh, pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior, I'm not trying to say that when men oogle or objectify women that they are automatically addicted to pornography or compulsive sexual behavior, but just this this concept of where, you know, everyone does it so it's okay 
is not okay. I mean, the objectification of women, and I have uh, I have some stuff out there online about this as well. It's it's I just don't believe that it is something to just be brushed off as everybody does it. Um, I was going to use that. Everybody's jumping off of a bridge. Is that okay? Uh, but with objectification of women, it is something that when someone works on this, when it is the uh, focus of therapy or treatment or that sort of thing, you can definitely overcome the objectification of women uh, and looking at uh, women as objects, body parts, that sort of thing. So um, there's there's a lot wrong in that. Uh, the end of that one in general. So yes, there's gaslighting. Everybody does it. You're the prude. No, that's not, <laughs> it's not okay. And there is something that uh, I feel like maybe a, the guy can address. You know what? That's a, that is a completely new podcast, which I have honestly been meaning to put together for a long time because I deal with that so much in my practice. And uh, you want to be the person as a as a man that is not feeling like I am going to oogle or objectify women whenever they're in front of me because uh, that does not make anybody feel comfortable. I'm sorry, it doesn't. And uh, and it's one of those things where when it just becomes this habitual pattern, whenever a guy sees a woman and he immediately looks at whether it's her cleavage or her bottom or whatever, that uh, that that isn't just, uh, well, what are you going to do? It's like, well, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to start working on it. You're going to start bringing some awareness to it. You're going to start, um, you know, looking at women in the eyes with a, a kind look. Uh, you are going to, you know, just really be aware of whenever you are doing that and and move your attention elsewhere. And uh, but it's something that can definitely be worked on. But again, that's a subject for a whole other podcast. All right. I actually had a couple of other examples that I think I am going to hold for another episode because uh, this one's most likely getting longer than I think. But thank you so much for all of the examples. Please continue to send them to contact at tonyoverbay.com, contact at pathbackrecovery.com. And I can get a little sense for what I want to do with some of this. I want to be able to help people recognize, number one, that they're not alone if they are in conversations with their spouse that kind of goes some, some, something like this. I said number one earlier, right? So I feel like I got to go with a number two. Uh, but really, so number one, that uh, this is a, it. Well, number two, that, that gaslighting is a thing. So when I get these emails that say, oh my gosh, I never knew that there was a name for what I feel like my the conversations are with my spouse, my partner, my boss, that sort of thing, that there is. And so number three, we'll say, is that uh, that the whole reason that uh, there is a name behind this, that, that this is identified as a thing, is so that it can be recognized and it can be worked on, that you can get help for this. So that is my hope that you will, uh, if this is something that's happening in your relationship, that you will be able to find help and uh, be able to find a way to recognize the gaslighting, to be able to maybe step back from the gaslighting and recognize I see what is happening here. And then if you feel empowered, if you feel like this is something that you can bring to your partner, that uh, that you can do so and that you can go and get help. Um, there's a lot of data out there, a lot of, you know, read books on it, uh, things you'll find on the internet. And that's why I didn't want, I don't want to just have another podcast where it's like, you know, here's gaslighting and, uh, you know, grab the pitchforks and let's go get them. Let's go get them. You know, I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel like you can start to build back your own self-esteem and self-worth and uh, raise your emotional baseline so that you'll know what to do in these situations. All right. Hey, I appreciate uh, you keep staying with me this uh, this far. Send me those examples and I will see you next time on The Virtual Couch. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressure's 